Welcome to the Mustang United Methodist Church podcast. We have Sunday services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.50, and we would love to see you in person. We are glad to give you this opportunity to hear one of our sermons. And so today our sermon is Jesus is the Resurrection, and this was preached on July 21st, 2019. So it is the resurrected King that we come today to worship. And so, Lord, I pray for us as we... um, As we are surrounded by death, that we would even more so be surrounded by your life and your resurrection. And so as we prepare our hearts to hear your word, Lord, may you speak to each and every one of us today. Amen. Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. The words will be on your screen. You're invited to follow along in your Bibles. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's word. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brothers. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask for, From God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, open our eyes and our ears, but most importantly, our hearts to you, that we may be fully present with you as you are fully present with us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I hate death, but yet death surrounds us. Uh, we, we can see it right now in the hot July sun as our grass that once was green is now not so green. And it reminds us that our, our grass withers and fades and dies. But probably each of us have our own experience of death in some way, shape, or form. We might have had a pet that we loved that has passed away or somebody that was close to us that has died. This community um, was reminded of death again as, as Robert Kraut, who was a longtime person in this community who had done so much good, was killed tragically in a car wreck. And it was a reminder again that death surrounds us. And we probably all have our own re- memory of the first time we encountered death. For me, while I had had my nanny, my dad's mom passed away when I was just a little boy, the first time that I can really remember death, I was about eight years old. My dad was a pastor at Christ United Methodist Church in Enid, Oklahoma, and he got one of those phone calls that pastors dread to get on an evening. You see, that night, uh, there were some of our our church members who were there. There was a, a father. The father didn't go to the church. His mom and stepdad did, but he was driving in a car with Um, three little girls, um, one of whom was my age and then two who were younger than I was, when a drunk driver came across the other side of the road, slammed into their car, and the dad and the three girls passed away. 
And I, I don't remember what my parents said to me that night. I remember my dad left to, to go be with the mom and the family. But I remember this sense of heaviness that was there, that, that there was something that wasn't right about that. And I don't know if I, if I went to the funeral service, but I have this image in my mind of the sanctuary there at Christ United Methodist Church with three caskets that were too small. And it just hit me that there's something isn't right about death. And we probably all have had that experience where when we see death and it just strikes us as something wrong. And there are times when it just feels like death is all around us. There's this psalm that says this, the cords of death encompass me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. And sometimes when death comes, it just lingers and looms and gets us. And anytime there is death, it causes us to ask questions about life and about us. Sometimes we, we ask questions about our own life. What matters most? What is, what is it that's most important? Death helps to reframe our perspectives. Sometimes we, we ask questions of what's going to happen when we die. Um, what happens to me when death, when I die? And what will be, happens to the ones that I love? But it also causes us to ask questions about God. Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Where were you? Are you even out there, God? And so one of the things that I really love about this text in John chapter 11 is that it helps us see what, where is God in the midst of all this death. So I, I invite you to turn to your Bibles. There's some in your pews that you also have them on your phones. Um, we're going to kind of walk through uh, John chapter 11. I could have read the whole thing to you, um, but that's just a long time to stand up, all right? Um, so we're going to walk through this together in John chapter 11. So you can get it, again, on your Bible or on your phone. Now, here's the deal. is If, if you've got your phone out, I want if you're behind somebody who has their phone out, just peek at it every once in a while, all right? To make sure they're not checking to see who's winning the British Open, all right? But instead, they're focused on, on the scripture today, all right? So John chapter 11, we're going to start. Um, I'll have some stuff up here on the screen as well for us to follow along. But verse 3. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But then Jesus heard these words and he said this, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, it's interesting to me, the first thing that this scripture tells is, Lord, whom you love is ill. Is that this person, Lazarus, was somebody who was important to Jesus. It was a friend of Jesus. We don't often think about Jesus having friends, but these are some of Jesus's friends. The, the scripture continues in verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, this seems strange to me, all right? So again, we have this deep relationship that, that Jesus has with Lazarus, and, and probably some of you have gotten the phone call that somebody that you love is, is sick or was in an accident, and you just dropped everything and left. But here, he gets the news that Lazarus was ill, and so he stayed two days longer. And, I, and it sort of just catches me, why would Jesus do that? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't he just immediately be moved to, to go, but, but he stays? 
Now, now the scripture continues on, and I'm going to skip ahead here to verse 13 and, and 14. All right, where it says, Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, if I was one of Jesus' disciples, I'd be very confused now, because your friend is dying and you don't go immediately, and now you tell us that he's dead, but, but I'm glad that, for your sake, that he was, so that we weren't there, so that you may believe. What, what is going on here? Now, as I think about uh, what does this scripture have to teach us about death and what does it have to teach us about Jesus, is the first thing I think it has to teach us is that Jesus is not surprised by death. You and I, we often get surprised by, by death and by destruction and by evil, but Jesus is not surprised when this happens. It was not alarming to him. He did not panic, but instead he moved at the speed of God exactly where and when he needed to be. And so when you go through a difficult time and you are surrounded by death, Jesus is not surprised by it. Now we're going to continue into verse 17, and this is what it says. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now this is important to note, because had the way it worked, nobody sent Jesus a text message that said Lazarus was dying, all right? But they sent a messenger who went all the way to find Jesus. Had Jesus left as soon as the messenger got there, he still would have been too late, all right? And so here he had already been in the tomb four days. Now this is what it says in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said that to God? Lord, where were you? If you had been here, this awful thing would not have happened. In fact, this is exactly what Mary said as well. In the scripture we read, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We're not exactly sure how somebody, how they would have said that. I imagine they said it with anger and with pain. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Was it with disappointment? How did they say it? We don't know. But here's what I do know. All right, is that Jesus listens to our pain and our anger. It is okay to shake your fist and to yell at God. It is okay if you have questions, God is not going to be upset with you. But that this scripture reminds us that we can go face to face with Jesus and tell him how we feel. And that our God is not afraid of that. In fact, our God welcomes that. And so when you go through death, when you go through darkness, when you go through pain and misery and destruction, Jesus hears us and listens to our pain and our anger. And so this, this pain and anger often pours itself out in tears. It's one of the ways that the body communicates grief. And so this is what happens here in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then we have the shortest, but yet probably one of the most powerful texts in all of Scripture. Jesus wept. I mean, think about this, that, that everybody is weeping. Jesus knows what he is about to do, and yet he still weeps. And so in the face of death, what does God do? What does Jesus do? Jesus weeps with us. 
If you've ever cried, what you fear, feel are tears that will not stop. Jesus is right alongside weeping with you. When there is death and when there is pain and where there is destruction, there is God weeping with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us, and he weeps with us. One of the, the most striking statues to me is right outside the Federal Building Museum and the statue of the weeping Jesus. And it just reminds me that when those 168 people perished and so many lives were forever transformed that April day, where was Jesus? But Jesus was weeping with everybody who suffered and with people who were there. And so sometimes when I'm in pain, maybe when you're in pain, I have to remember this image that Jesus hurts with us. And then we get, the story continues, and we get this sort of marvelous story, something that, that just really, we just can't even imagine, but I want you to try. And so I'm going to read beginning in verse 38, and I want you to imagine being there and what you would think it would be like if you were just watching all of this. Then Jesus, and here's those words, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the practical one, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Now, some of you may know I don't have the greatest sense of smell, but I'm pretty sure I could smell a dead guy, all right? And so here, can you imagine? I mean, if I would have been there, I would have been like, okay, this is interesting, but I'm going to step back a little bit just to see what happens, right? And so here... Uh, Jesus says, take away the stone. And then in verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And sometimes it's hard to believe and to see the glory of God when we're so surrounded with grief. So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe you sent me. And so Jesus always is reliant on the power of God, and there's always this connection between the Father and the Son um, to move on. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Can you imagine what it was like to see a mummy-type person walk out of a tomb? How, how floored we would have all been as our jaws dropped as we saw him walk out of the tomb. Now, um, one time I, was, I heard this scripture being preached by, by our former bishop of Oklahoma, a gentleman by the name of, of Robert Hayes, and he had this great preaching voice. He had a deep, booming voice but he also could preach with sort of a gravelly sort of tone every once in a while to kind of get it going. And so what he, he preached this scripture, and I will never forget what he said, is he said Jesus had to say, Lazarus, come out. Because if he had just said, come out, all the tombs would have opened and everybody would have flooded out. <laughs> this is the power of Jesus, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walked out. Now, kid, can you imagine being friends with Lazarus from then on, you know? Well, Jesus loved you, but he raised me from the dead, right? 
or you go and you meet other people, um, you know, and you kind of, you know, you're sort of sharing some interesting things about you, and, you know, they share sort of stuff, and you're like, well, yeah, but I was dead four days, and now I'm not, so um, just how crazy this would be to be dead and then to be alive, but this is what God does, because the last thing I think this, this scripture teaches us is that Jesus speaks resurrection to death. Is that, is that where we often have put a period, God puts a comma. And there's, death is not the end, but it's just part of the story of God. So often we live our lives with this idea that there is life and there is death. There is life and there is death. There is life and there is death. But with the people of God, we believe in resurrection, so it's not life and death, but it's life, death, and resurrection. That this is the pattern of God is that life happens, death happens, but resurrection happens, new life happens, joy happens. That somehow out of all this brokenness, there is life and there is beauty. Now earlier this week, and each Monday I I read this scripture, Um, we read the scripture and we talk about it as a a staff, and um, as we were were talking about it, uh, how do we walk through death and hold on to the resurrection power of Jesus? How do we as the people of God walk through death? Now, I have, I've been around death. Um, being a pastor, I've, I've, gone, I've gone and done a number of funerals, and, um, and I've had grandparents and other folks who, who I've loved who have passed away. Um, but but as, as we were talking, Caitlin was sharing a little bit about her own experience of the loss of their son. Um, some of you may know some of this story, but I was just so touched because there's something different um, that, that she could share that I can't share from my perspective not having to walk through it. So I've invited Caitlin to, to come and share um, a little bit about what her experience was walking through death and still holding on to the resurrection of the power of Jesus. I'm going to try not to make as much noise. Just going to hold it. It's fine. I told the first service it would be easier for me if I sang to you the whole story because I don't like talking in front of people, but I can sing to you. But I'm not going to sing to you. I'm going to actually use my words in speaking form. If you don't know me, I'm Caitlin Green. I am an assistant music worship minister, whatever, here. Um, But I'm also Ruben's wife, and today we celebrate seven years of marital bliss. So congratulations to you. He didn't forget, I promise. But I might also be the only person in this sanctuary that has found a beauty within death. And before you cast me out with the crazies, you have to hear my story first. Our first son, Liam, was born in 2013 with a congenital heart defect, hypoplastic right heart syndrome, where the right ventricle of his heart did not exist. In short terms, three-fourths of his heart was all that was there. There was a fourth of his heart missing. We were fortunate enough to know about this before he was born. There were many unknowns, a lot of reality checks. Uh, One of the biggest things that still sticks in my mind is the doctor saying, your son may never breathe outside of the womb, and if he does, he will never outlive you. But somewhere inside of me, I knew that my God is bigger than this. I knew that my God would never leave me nor forsake me. After many months of prayers, diligent prayers, even from some of you, Liam was born. And in staff meeting, I discussed that I was not mad at God after, like most people experience through grieving. I was mad at God before Liam was ever born. I was so mad, angry, spitting, 
the frustrated crying mad. Why would you choose me to carry this child? Why would you make my first child broken? Why do I have to go through this? Did I do something to be punished? Are you using me for something and you won't tell me what it is? Why me, God? After Leon's death, I was never angry. Sure, I thought of a thousand what-if scenarios, but I never blamed God for anything that we'd endured. I praised God through my son's death. I became closer to God through my son's death. His celebration of life service was a time of worship, praising God for letting us borrow his child. It wasn't until years later that I received all those why questions. One morning, we were worshiping, and Reuben told me I had to sing over here. He's the boss, so I moved. <laughs> but I didn't like it. I was uncomfortable. I liked being over there, tucked away by the piano. But I was here, and I, I did the worship session, and, and at the end, at the altar call, I watched a young lady stand, and I knew she was coming down here. I knew why she was coming down here. Her child was dying. She was fixing to say goodbye to a child that she had birthed and loved from day one that she knew she had him within her. As she walked down, there was a voice in my head, and to this day, I firmly believe that it was the voice of God. It did not sound like James Earl Jones, though. Okay. But that voice said, meet her at the altar. You are the only one in this room who can pray the words that she needs to hear, that I need her to hear. My feet moved, and I had no control of them. And where did she come? Right in front of me. Right where God had put me that morning, out of my comfort zone. A voice came out from me, and I prayed in her ear through tears, but the words were not mine. At the moment, I received my answer as to why God had chosen me, me, a sinner, to be that person, to carry that child with a broken heart. God needed me for the same reason that I needed him. He knew that there were going to be women that were going to come down, that were going to be brokenhearted because God had taken their child before they were ready, because God needed them back. I would keep praising God through the storm. I would continue to speak life into their child as I have with mine. I would encourage them to seek God above all else because I believe there is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our risen son. Death is sad. It really is. I'm holding myself together way more than I did the first service saying this. But I can't talk about my son without crying. There's no easy way to get through death, especially the death of a child. It's the worst pain I have ever felt. But here's the beauty. There's something so incredibly beautiful that when I die, when I reach those gates of heaven, one of the people, if not the first person to greet me, will be my son. And I praise God, and I give God all the glory, because he gave his son so that I can live eternally with mine. Thank you, Caitlin. I don't know your story, but I know that you have one. And there are some of you who are in this room, and, and uh, your heart's not heavy just because of what Caitlin shared, but because of, of what you've went through. I was talking to people in the hall after the first service, and they were talking about losing their spouse or who they lost and just the way that all this affects us. 
The good news is, is that Jesus does not just say, I know about resurrection. I'm aware of resurrection. What Jesus says is, I am the resurrection and the life. So let me remind us of the scripture we read earlier. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You see, that's the big question. What do we believe in the face of death? Do we believe that death is the end and there's a period? Or do we believe that death is a part of the cycle of God's life? That there is life and there is death and there is resurrection. Caitlin believes in the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection. I believe so many of you do as well. So what I want to just offer during this time is a time of prayer. You are, are welcome to, to pray at your seats. You're welcome to, to come up here at the altar. Um, if uh, I'm going to invite Caitlin, and I'm going to invite her to come to this holy section of ground for her. And maybe there are some of you that are just overwhelmed with grief, and you need somebody who's been there to pray with you. You're invited to, to come and to pray with her. Maybe some of you are asking questions about your own life and your own future, about what happens when I die. Um, we'd love to pray with you and talk with you as well, because... Our God is not the God of death. He's the God of life. So I'm going to open us in prayer, then we'll spend some time in prayer, either where you are or at the altar. Um, you're welcome to just come and just pray by yourself as well. And then we'll sing together about our need of Jesus. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, I sense a heaviness with people today that Lord, some people walked in here with broken hearts. And death surrounds us. And maybe it's a, a physical death. Uh, somebody that we love has died. Maybe it's a, a spiritual death. Maybe there's something that has ended that is just so heart-wrenching. But Lord, death surrounds us. But Lord, into the chaos of the world, into the dark void, you speak your light. And Lord, it is into your marvelous light that we come running. So Lord, I pray for those who are so deep in grief right now. That as death surrounds them, that you would surround them even more. That you would weep with those of us who weep even now. And you would remind us of your presence. That you will never leave us or forsake us. And more importantly, you will remind us that there is nothing that you cannot conquer, that you have not conquered, that you have conquered the grave and you have opened the door to eternal life. And so as your people in your place in this moment, meet us here. Lord, we offer our prayers, our hearts, our anger, our hopes, our tears to you this day and this time.
Thank you for listening to the Mustang United Methodist Church podcast. If there is ever anything that we can do for you, please feel free to let us know. You can email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. And please remember that we'd love to see you on Sunday morning at 830 or 1050. Thank you.